Hi everybody, welcome to Tuned In Dialed Up, a podcast about podcasting. This is a special episode that we organized because we thought we were going to lose last episode, the ad reads one, because the audio was crap. So we quickly scheduled something, and this is a QA and a app. It's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to do shining moments. We're not going to do recommendations. But we've got some questions from you, wonderful audience members. And And actually, real quick, can we talk about how that audio was saved because it's oh, yes. a wonderful story yes i did throw in a little um uh trailer on the beginning of the last episode but yes lee davis thalborn uh saw me talking about the audio being screwed in uh the podcast help section of your podcast problem server mm-hmm. uh, i mentioned having rx elements and that i would make one last kind of hail mary attempt to save the audio in there after running it through a bunch of stuff in uh, audition but I was kind of just, I was ready to admit that it was gone and we were already trying to book this, which we're doing now, two days mm-hmm. later. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to bed at like nine my time. <laughs> it was a long day. <laughs> and then I wake up to a bunch of uh, notifications from Lee adding me in the server. Lee had Lee not only, yeah. Lee Davis Thalborn had uh, done three different passes at trying to fix i had uploaded like a five second clip of your audio that had the clip in it Mm -hmm. Uh, and lee gave me a setting that gets rid of the clip entirely uh it's amazing there's a couple of like little bits where the clip was so embedded in what you were saying you can hear a little like audio waver but Mm -hmm. it is by no means the worst audio i've ever uploaded and the (laughs) fact that it got uploaded at all is all due to uh Lee Davis Thalborn taking the time to do that and it was very much appreciated uh I hope Lee appreciates uh the perhaps suffering I will be going through later this episode (laughs) not for Lee's benefit but it's here for everybody's yeah yeah hi barista Gavin here to do the wonderful Patreon shoutouts one second venti iced coffee with toffee nut and soy all right, hang on. <laughs> Whew, if only we were able to take breaks. Okay, I want to take a brief moment to thank the wonderful people supporting the show at the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gavin G, who are making the show a possibility, funding transcripts, and allowing me to try fun new stuff. Special shout out. <sighs> One second. Cinnamon Dolce Latte at Strawberries. Okay. We want to thank the wonderful people at patreon.com forward slash Gavin G for supporting at the producer level. Thank you so much to Alice and Chelsea, Jean, Mads, and the Ostium Podcast for supporting the show. Oh, wait, they're all people here at the counter with the same names. Hi, none of your drinks are done yet. Actually, yours is. One sec. And here you go, the Pokemon Go Frappuccino from 2016, which still exists, I guess? Okay, okay, I gotta go back to the show. We've got some fun questions. We've got some kind of serious ones. Uh, I feel like we're just going to kind of ping pong around these. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, first up, something nothing to do with podcasting at all, but I want to do it real quick. Eric Silver asks, mm-hmm. what's your favorite meme of 2020? So, oh man, I didn't realize it was 2020. Okay. I have to, I see that you sent it to me, so I should have read the words oh um that's my favorite tiktok oh that's the other thing i just asked will in which is probably the most random message one can receive do you use tiktok uh (laughs) (laughs) in our where we're usually talking about podcast stuff i'm saying we're gonna do a meme of just meme them and then tiktok meme because i don't use tiktok but jordan uses tiktok a lot so i get to experience a lot of tiktok just by being in bed at night uh and it just seems like there's a lot of tiktok memes that are really good but they don't go anywhere else and if they do it doesn't get as much traction uh so i'm just gonna have a favorite tiktok meme and a favorite meme i'll do mine real quick because it's it's yeah. really quick to explain it's the reaction image of tom hanks with like the face uh oh, to the Ricky at the yeah. golden globes because <laughs> that that reaction image is so versatile <laughs> it's very good i so i have not seen marriage story but i really like yes. that format where yeah, it's the, the marriage two story of them thing. fighting yeah like 
so I have I have not watched Marriage Story. I am a big Noah Baumbach fan, so it's kind of shocking that I haven't. But I just it, it's so discoursey that I'm very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see another like adjacent tweet that was going around where somebody took that scene and they uh, they had a video that was split screen, half the scene and half the script scrolling by. <laughs> and the original tweet was like, oh my God, look at this. Like, it feels so natural, but every single line is written down. Yeah. And somebody retweeted it and was like, oh, you mean like a script? <laughs> 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 like how like how films are made? Um, which I thought was very funny. But the, the back and forth, it feels a lot like the... Um, was it the was it Pawn Stars that had that back and forth argument meme like maybe 2018? Oh, um, um, uh, no, that was American Chopper. It's the father eh, and son sure. where he throws the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Uh, for those who uh, it feels a lot this, like that one. Yeah, there's the uh, the movie is Marriage Story. It stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, Adam Driver. as a couple that are like mid-divorce yeah uh and the meme is screenshots of a scene in which they have this complete just over-the-top argument to the point where adam driver gets so infuriated he starts crying turns around and punches the wall so his hand goes to the drywall uh it is commonly mocked for at least out of context in the way we're consuming the scene looking like something straight out of a uh first semester undergrad acting course on how to be angry <laughs> on film yeah it it looks out of out of context very melodramatic i will say um that knowing bombach and knowing his his style it probably feels really again like really authentic really good yeah. in how the film works but out of context man it looks fucking bad <laughs> Well, there are a lot of movies. Where you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you try yeah. to isolate some scenes from Gatsby, like the the. Oh, what? Hang on, I might. I need to get this name right. Um, Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann's yeah, the, the Baz Luhrmann uh, Gatsby redo. Uh, there are some scenes in that where you could clip it and be like, "This is looks like a child edited it because they had like." I mean, in fairness, I think I would argue that about the whole movie. <laughs> they. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm not a Baz Luhrmann fan, but I, I get it. That, that's also me taking into context. They had to do a lot of reshoots and they physically could not shoot the scenes they wanted to shoot for the movie. Yeah. So they yeah. had to make up a bunch of it. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann is one of those figures who like I I deeply respect, yeah. but do not really like appreciate, if that makes sense. Like totally not my style. I will say very good take on romeo and juliet probably the best we've ever seen oh that um, one was romeo plus juliet right oh sorry yes um no, I, I that's not, not me being pedantic <laughs> i was just wondering because there's it. the uh, yeah romeo plus juliet is that the, the one the, that's um, like updated to modern times yeah it's one with uh claire danes leonardo Di- dicaprio yeah. like it is it is the most accurate to the play that i've seen like like not just in lines but in tone mm-hmm. and in getting the fact that they're like two stupid ass teenagers um but and Lord, of course it's obnoxious the best decision that a shakespearean movie can make including john leguizamo <laughs> yeah fuck yeah <laughs> okay uh oh so we got our two real memes down do you have a favorite tiktok meme and it is, i don't think we can we don't have to isolate the tiktok memes of 2020 cool because i don't know tiktok moves too fast like i don't yeah so i'm a very i'm a very big fan of the uh pretty boy swag meme format on tiktok um which is where the song pretty boy swag plays and it's somebody like you know it's somebody looking into their camera and then once the line pretty boy swag hits um it will change to like their doppelganger oh um, but it's usually something like desperately unfortunate <laughs> and like not somebody like like ridiculous cartoon characters and things. And it's always uncanny how much they look alike. I'm my, very much a fan of that one. I'm, I, I will I will save my real one. But my quick runner up is uh, damn boy. That's a thick ass boy. It's just it's, <laughs> it's, it's the audio of that one YouTuber screaming, damn yeah. boy, that's a thick ass boy, which unfortunately, <laughs> if you look up the origin of it, it's much less fun because I always imagine it was like someone yelling at a dog or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, is it not? It's it's like a YouTuber where scra- uh, shouting damn boy is like his thing. And there was just a oh, clip okay. of him doing that rant. Uh, 
Yeah, it's less funny. My my favorite twenty, and I think this is twenty twenty because it it seems to have grown in relevance. And this is gonna sound more like a theme, but my favorite TikTok meme is comedically long fart jokes. Uh, <laughs> there is one. I will link it in the show notes. I'm so happy with this fucking meme. Uh, <laughs> what did you just send me on on Discord? <laughs> That is a good representation of that meme you were talking about, Will. Yeah, it's uh, really fucking good. So there's this one. It's it's footage of a uh, guy in an elevator, like POV, and he's got like a tote bag in his hand. And the text on the bottom of the screen says, "Will or, uh, Jordan is dying behind me right now because we yeah. watch this every night. The text on the bottom of the screen embedded in the video says, drop something to cover up the sound of your fart he drops the bag and there's a solid second of silence and then a fart sound effect that lasts <laughs> the rest of the minute long tiktok and then the camera slowly pans over to the guy standing next to him in the elevator and that guy like pretends to look away and not hear anything <laughs> it's very good it's like that it's austin power uh p gag in that it keeps going so fucking long it becomes funny again yeah uh, yeah I've seen like two or three other versions of this same sort of idea, but just the fact that the bag hits the ground and there's silence and then it starts. <laughs> it's just beautiful. This is very good. I've just spent way too much time talking about fucking nothing. Um, let's get to a <laughs> quick serious question. Lee Davis yeah. Dalborn, a name we might oh, recognize Lee. asks, how are the two of you staving off burnout between your critic work and your podcast production work? Uh, and if you aren't, do you need a hug and are you getting it? is so good um i feel like i've talked about burnout a lot gavin do you want to take this one first (sighs) (laughs) i don't i don't necessarily think i'm burned out it's just that i i think i'm starting to get a little bit better to in recognizing when i'm just not feeling it uh which means things just end up getting delayed a long time yeah and it seems like i'm not doing anything this suddenly like here's three articles and then back to not doing anything so I think it's more of a timing thing on my part that I haven't nailed down yet. And it, yes, in my not managing burnout, I am getting uh, necessary hugs. Good. If only because Jordan uh, would be mad at me if I didn't hug her on a somewhat regular basis. <laughs> Thank we're, God we're for We're very Jordan. huggy people. Aren't we, babe? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I was wondering if it was going to be a shut up or a fuck you. I, I was waiting for one of the two. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. That was a fun one. Okay. So Anne asks, Anne. dearest Anne, fancy Anne asks, fancy Will, Anne. what's your favorite type oh. of train? Oh. oh. See, what, what oh. Anne has done is flipped it on us and gave each of us a question that the other one would have gotten. Um, my favorite type of train is a one who is old and probably powered by coal, which I don't think is very good for anything. But aesthetically, I like it. Um, and it has the big kind of smokestacky guy up at the front part and looks old and looks like a murder has happened on it. Or maybe it's from the steampunk lands. I love that guy. He's a good train. <laughs> and uh asks of myself who's your favorite monster of the week campaign campaign player and why is it me uh <laughs> to answer the question since uh my only monster of the week campaign is one i'm running with a group of wonderful people including Anne. i will say that my favorite player is not actually a player it's the familiar of mads whose character harlow has yes. a familiar that is depiglio And, yes, I have voice mods set up so that I have a hot key where if I ever if I ever need to be like, shit, is that the pig, Leo? I just... for, for audience members who have not seen, there's a video on YouTube. It's literally just called Depiglio. It's by Chris Fleming. And I there's literally no way to explain it. Uh, Chris Fleming is talking to somebody and then sees this like creature thing. thing from afar running towards him 
And he's like, what the fuck is that? And the person is like, oh, that's just DePiglio. And is acting like DePiglio is like a totally normal thing. But then also like everyone knows DePiglio and talks yeah. about how chill DePiglio is. But he's like really pissed at Chris Fleming. And they're all like, oh, yeah, you should... You, you should, should run, run eventually, I guess. Like, did you, what did you do to piss him off? Like, it's it's like it's a just, really good piece thing. of existential horror. That's the thing that gets yeah. me. It's fucking <laughs> it's, hilarious, but it's also so terrifying. Yes, it's it's very, 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 very good. But it is, also, I think... the joke is anytime the camera cuts to Depigli in the distance on Broadway plays, a, so you yeah. just hear, <laughs> yeah. and it just little snippets. <laughs> like anytime Depigli was on screen for like half a second, you hear it. It's so good. I, I feel like DePiglio is the perfect center of the Venn diagram of my humor and your humor. Yeah, it's, I just can't <laughs> get over it. It's a thing. I don't want any more of it to exist, but. No, not at all. As not it currently all. exists, I want more people to have seen DePiglio. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. This one is a, the innest of in jokes. Uh, so I'm sure you're going to okay. have fun explaining this one. Katie asks, uh. What is your most hated sound effect of 2019? Not the podcast it was in or the circumstances in which it happened, but the sound effect itself. And Anne doubles up with, I don't know about Will, but my two least favorite sound effects of 2019 were the first <laughs> smooch, smooch noise noises. in Valence God and damn the it. second smooch noise in Valence. So <laughs> to give us some background, um, when we were writing Valence, we asked Anne if we could have a smooch noise. And Anne said... Actually, I'm sorry. Katie and I were talking about how many smooches there will be in Valence. <laughs> and Anne said, you can have one smooch noise. And we thought, fuck. Okay. Uh, and then we tried lobbying for a second smooch noise. Katie, uh, Katie wrote a scene of an episode and was like, listen... I cheated. I stole a smooch noise. And Anne was like, mm-mm. <laughs> so I believe it was part of our Indiegogo was if we hit maybe a certain percent, almost definitely 69%, we could have a second smooch noise. <laughs> um, I am trying to think of an actual sound effect that I've hated because I know there have been a few where I've just been like, ugh. I'm going to give one. Uh, yeah. I'm... <sighs> I don't know how to... Okay. I'm going to edit in an amount of seconds to skip forward. Because I'm going to talk about something a little not safe for work. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, beware the sex talk. Skip ahead one minute, ten seconds. I went through a little bit where I was sampling some uh, adult-oriented audio drama and just fiction stuff uh there were a couple there there are a few not safe for work adult audio drama that feature or, or that are in explicitly erotica or they just feature sex scenes that have foley that work i don't want to say that like sex foley doesn't work but right. there was one took the noises too far uh i think it was a blowjob and it was just not oh no oh it was, no no thank you <laughs> sounded like a dog eating wet food like it was... <laughs> oh i got i got I'm jordan six years old yeah you did <laughs> I, I do I, I did remember one. It's uh, substantially less exciting. Um, I'm not gonna name the podcast or anything, obviously, but I did hear there was one where a shop door was supposed to open and close, and instead it was very much like very obviously like a normal door that you would hear like in a house. Ah. And I know that that's like a small difference. But it was so weird and so jarring. And again, that's like super nitty gritty. I'm probably the only person who noticed or like one of the 10 people who noticed who listened. But it stuck out to me so much. And it just distracted me like the whole rest of the episode. So I think that's that's the one. I, didn't, Door noises, I haven't heard this, but I will say for Spooktember, there's a bit where I talk about going into a store and to be, it was early on. So I was still doing like sound design. I, 
I spent probably 20 minutes trying to find door opens and triggers a bell mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. that was intrinsically, it intrinsically sounded like a shop door. Right. So I like, yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely not like, that's not an easy, if I had to do that, I would probably go for a, a door creak that did not have probably like a, a sh- kind of noise yeah. Um, to make sure that there's not a doorknob. Yeah, or um, like and then the bell, like the the not exactly. many places that's, actually have a bell on the door, but that's such a media thing. Yeah, or like in this instance, I probably no, I probably would have done a bell, so I probably would have done like a, a sliding door or some kind of like a, a an air plus like felt friction, you know, like a you know like a a swingy door. Instead of a doorknob. And then I probably would have done a door creak. And then I would have put the bell on top. I probably yeah. would have just assembled it instead of looking for one. But that's a lot of work and it's obnoxious. Yeah. So I get why it was just a normal door. <laughs> it was just distracting. Alright. Since we were in criticism corner there for a bit. I'm going to do something goofy. We're going to... Oh, come on. Well, now it just sounds like I have a leather glove on. Hang on. I'm trying to open it. it. I'm trying yeah. to open this. Okay, well, that sounded like nothing. With okay. what? So, a crab? <laughs> well, there goes the cap, so I guess I gotta finish it. No. <laughs> oh, God. I have a shooter here, which is... Uh, how many ounces? Oh, no. I forget how big your shooters are. I'm not gonna down this. It's like one shot's worth of 99 brand peanut butter whiskey. So, like, this is like 99 bananas, right? Yeah. This is the same... Oh, Christ. Yeah. No, yeah, this stuff is paint thinner. A um, little bit of backstory. I used to work in a liquor store, and in fact, that's how I first kind of got into fiction podcasting and listening to a lot of, well, anything beyond Night Vale. Like, I'd listen to Night Vale, but I got into the, the Adventure Zone and doing stuff like that. Um, I used to work at a liquor store, and during the time when I worked at one, the hot thing was fucking grapefruit. Like, dear God, companies would not <laughs> leave grapefruit the fuck alone it's like everyone realized oh there's kind of a sour fruit out there we could do a lot with that (laughs) so that was the fruit du jour or that was the sampling flavor du jour and then after i stopped working in liquor i didn't drink really much besides rum and coke and even then like i think the most liquor i think the most shit face i've ever been in the last two or three years was when i had two rum and cokes at podcast movement because they were free like (laughs) that's that's how that's how deep in how deep in the paint I get. But when we went to a really nice liquor store in another town the other day, I made a quip about, "Oh, 99 makes peanut butter now." And the guy was like, "No, like peanut butter's a new thing and this one's actually pretty good." Huh. So, well, it smells kind of like uh, it's got kind of a coconut cream pie thing going on. Weird. Okay. It actually smells like peanut butter candy a little bit. Let me just Oh. <laughs> all right yeah oh, no. it is 99 oh, but Christ. it also tastes really good oh okay i would never drink that straight again but <laughs> okay the guy what would you what would you do a cocktail of it with <laughs> it's not even that, necessarily you know, that question buttery okay weird but i get the guy behind the counter kept going out about okay here's what you're gonna do you're gonna go get a fanta orange and you're gonna dump this into it. it's gonna taste great and we Ew. were like peanut butter and orange but now that i've tasted yeah. it it does it's got it's really sweet and it's got like kind of a pie thing going on to it like i could see that mixing really well with orange soda Weird. I'm not going to take okay. I haven't even gotten it out of like to be I I could take a picture of this, but it's like not even below the neck of this shooter bottle. That's a little I took. Whew. But yeah, I can see that being really fucking good on a cocktail. That's weird. 99 peanut butter. Hmm. Now you know. Elena Fernandez Collins asks, Hey, oh, tell us Elena. about the thing you were most excited for in your planned 2020 podcasting career. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, I actually have one that's a little self-promo-y, but I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about it. Um, so we just announced that Hug House has partnered with the New Jersey Web Fest, and we will be accepting uh, audio fiction submissions. Uh, this is wild and i'm really 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 excited about it so what that basically means is 
and submissions are open now so please go look there is a small fee i believe it's 30 dollars um mm-hmm. to submit but well it's the New it's Jersey... 29 dollars and one dollar processing fee which i found hilarious. right of course <laughs> so it's the New Jersey Web Fest is not like PodCon or a podcast movement or PodTales. It is a film festival that was originally for web series. But um, a few of us on the team, um, we all kind of, we look at like the, the demographics between web series creators and podcast creators, audio fiction creators, and it's pretty much a circle, but nobody talks to each other. And it's weird because both sides know things that the other side should know. So there are going to be some panels kind of like a convention, but mostly it's going to be like listening parties and screenings. So there's going to be people who are attending, um, who are not of the podcast or web series world, just like people just people coming in like they would watch, you know, a, a, a film festival. And for podcasts, it is going to be uh, the audio with like rolling transcripts. And at the end of the festival, there is going to be an award show where a board uh, decides the best podcast for a whole bunch of different categories. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being an audience vote kind of thing, there is... An advisory board, almost like a typical award show, almost like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to like, but like more Oscars style than people's choice style, which I think is really exciting. And I think that podcasting really needs. Um, and I think it'll be a great time to give recognition to um, both some of the greats and some people who wouldn't otherwise, you know, get something like a a popular vote award. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. I'm excited for Podcast Movement 2020. I am excited for uh, for Valence to keep rolling out. I have a lot of good feelings for 2020. Gavin, what about you? Um, oh, quick, uh, for anyone wondering, the uh, submission deadline for New Jersey WebFest is June 12th at 11.59 EST. So put that on your calendars uh yep i should have done the math i was gonna be cute and be like and if you put aside this many pennies a day you can (laughs) (laughs) but that's math and fuck it um yeah i i'm really excited i mean podcast movement 2020 is gonna be fun yeah i want to say i'm excited for the crowdfunding campaign for season two of standard docking procedure but that is cart before the horse because i have the script to the last episode of season one in front of me uh, which I need to get edited and back to actors as soon as humanly possible. But mm-hmm. I've got some ideas. I think it's going to be fun, and I just want to make season two because um, there's some stuff in season two that's going to be really fucking fun. But, yeah, um, going to Pod Tales, if we can swing it, will be uh, – yeah. if, if Pod t- Tales 2 happens and if we can go, it'll be fucking awesome. So that'll be that. Uh that and I'm yeah, just, I'm hoping I that more I can be there this year. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a chance to go, and I was very sad. But hopefully this year. Yes. Yeah. Especially since the uh, podcast uh, convention in Nashville that happened last year, PodX. It's now titled, um, what is it? Um, podcast convention. They haven't posted anything yet and uh last go around they had like schedules up by now let alone announcement of where it's going to happen so i questioned if mischief management is going to take a year off which is fine but kind of sucks because i was like excited to have (laughs) a next door podcast convention let's see here oh uh will at anglophile underscore w ask oh (laughs) asks um for both of us, thoughts on the Fa- Limetown Facebook Watch show now that all of season one is out. So. I have not finished I it, so. <laughs> have not either. Um, yeah, I have not either. The thing, so I am, I have ADD. And yeah. if I don't, if I'm not already on a platform, I will forget that that platform exists so youtube i go to almost every day just like out of habit at this point because i've been i've been watching youtube almost every day since like yeah 2008 (laughs) 
so it's like pretty ingrained at this point um facebook i actively avoid yeah most same. days so i what i saw i the more that i watched the more i liked it but i just kept remembering to watch and i think that that is more a problem with platform than it is a problem with limetown and i'm not surprised by that i think i probably could have could have guessed that this would happen for a lot of people yeah um especially because again like facebook is something that most people i know actively avoid oh and then god and then in the midst of while it was coming out there was the um the testimony that zuckerberg had to make yep um that he that was a fucking mess and all of my data privacy frustrations came back and then i really avoided facebook so i mean like you and i you and i talked about how Mm -hmm. there is something to be said about limetown of all things being put on facebook of all places um and i think that you know i think that kind of was a self-fulfilling prophecy there It'll be fun to watch Limetown, the TV series, when Facebook Watch crumbles and the copyright gets sold off to Verve or whoever uh, a few years down the line. But, yeah, also, like, I'm not getting paid to watch Limetown anymore. (laughs) Right. I watched what I got to watch to write my review, and then um, I'm interested, but the idea of hooking a laptop up to a TV or sitting at a PC and watching you know, five more hours or whatever of Limetown. Just, I mean, I will do that with YouTube and not think about it. It's just the fact that you have to be like in the mindset to say, I'm going to open up yeah. my little, my little box that I keep Facebook in. So it can't talk to the outside world. I keep it inside yeah. Firefox, which I use for nothing else. So that it's little, little fucking trackers can't talk to anybody. Uh, yeah. Which fucking, we were talking about ring doorbells uh, last, last episode. Oh, there was that recent thing about um, ring doorbells have Facebook uh, trackers in them and shit that talk to Amazon and other websites. So they share, uh, the, the ring trackers share with other companies. There's another reason why ring sucks. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise. Part two of Will's question. Uh, any uh-huh. trends slash topics in other media from 2019 you'd like to see get ported into podcasting in 2020? Fiction or nonfiction? Ooh, oh man. I really like this one. Probably should have primed you on it. <laughs> Let me... I'm gonna... Okay. We could come back to it also. Let me... Let me look up, like... Like a... So I have no concept of time. So <laughs> let me... Let me look at, like... What even... What came out this year... I can only really think of things that okay. were... Oh, 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 oh. Okay, wait. I actually have an answer for this. Okay. Weird sci-fi that... Oh, I realize this is just valence. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's too self-congratulatory. I was going to say weird sci-fi that is just at the end of the day telling you to go to therapy. Yeah. Um, because that's pretty much uh, Russian Doll and maniac which i don't think a lot of people watched maniac on netflix it was really fucking good um hmm okay okay let me keep thinking on this one yeah i mean the the things i keep thinking of that i enjoy in other i mean it's trends and topics in other media but the things i watch are mainly for either their visual capacity or the people in it like bon appetit I watch because of the people, mm. not necessarily because mm-hmm. I give a flying fuck about B.A.'s best lasagna, whatever, buddy. Like, yeah, it's technically great, and it looks really, really good, but I'm watching it because it's Chris Morocco. Like, yeah. I'm watching this, Though, I'm watching this grown also, man finger a taco, like, just to figure out, is this skirt yes, steak or is oh this God. New York strip? <laughs> I love Chris Morocco. Um, I will say, there uh like vodka sauce recipe so good yeah so good a lot of bon appetit recipes are great um actually i think i'm gonna okay i am going to i'm gonna branch off from what i was going to say and instead say 
slipstream fiction that is really character centric. Never mind. That <laughs> still, I think that's still the thing I'm doing. Okay, you know what? I don't know um, if this is a trend, but this is a topic. Uh, <laughs> the Mandalorian, specifically the fact that it's a spaghetti western in its construct and i know this isn't 2019 but logan also did the same thing like uh the 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 uh marvel adaptation of old man logan which the movie was titled logan which is about it's set like 20 years in the future and mutants are like outlawed and either like forcibly impotent or dead um and wolverine's like getting getting so old and so sick that he can't heal as fast anymore it is the epitome of a peak of Clint Eastwood's career Western about the futility of violence a little bit and um, about somebody who's like too old to be effective in a modern world anymore uh, and, and coming to realize that fact. It is a very fucking western e movie and it just it, it's a comic book movie so no one fucking expected that and I loved it for that. The Mandalorian mm -hmm. uh, in amongst you know what JJ did to Star Wars <laughs> managed to take Star <laughs> Wars and make this like go back to the thing that made it fucking fascinating for the last couple decades of expanded universe stuff which is it's a lived in world and there's goofy stuff happening and there's really cool technology and everything's filthy. Like the things that made us fall in love with it in 1977, the Mandalorian kind of taps into. Uh, and I know it's, you know, it's, it's a Disney product. It's Disney throwing money in a thing and seeing if something sticks against the wall. Cause also the, mm -hmm. that wacky fucking high school musical thing happened too. Like if the Mandalorian had failed, they had a couple of other, things in their back pocket but i do like this idea of taking an existing ip and trying something new with it and yes this is coming from the guy who wrote the article about i wish star wars audio drama and that would be cool but yeah but even just like the kind of the concept of taking a even just a genre with a bunch of tropes we've already played with and running it through its paces through a different lens would be very cool to see more of in podcasting and i know there are a lot that do that but that is a thing i would like to see <laughs> I have mine. Okay. And it's not something that I'm doing. <laughs> so in 2019, we had things like uh, we have The Good Place still going on. We have Shit's Creek still going on. We have uh, Fleabag Season 2 came out. Uh, Los Spookies came out. Oh, fuck we yeah. We had, yeah. I need to watch um, it. And then we had uh, The Good Place. What We Do in the we Shadows. Had... I also need to watch. What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. So what I would love to see is high genre comedies yes especially if they can have a good focus on character sex education maybe in there too maybe um end of the fucking world but like high concept maybe not high genre yeah. but like there is a big concept that is driving the characters and the plot um i crave more fiction comedies in podcasts we have some yeah for sure um childish actually is a great example of this i've been like writing a childish high for a little while now so childish is a musical podcast comedy about a a guy who wants to be childish gambino so or like wants to be a rapper and is very very inspired by childish gambino so he becomes an ra at the dorm hall that donald glover was an ra at while he was writing for like saturday night live and 30 rock um so that's already like there's a high concept there, yeah. right? Um, and then on top of that, it is a full musical. So half of it is like Broadway show tunes and then half of it is the main character's rap. And it's fantastic and it is hilarious and it's also very engaging and I love it. Um, I want more things like that. I just want more comedies that like are nuanced and kind of strange and have some big concept to them. That's what I would love to see the uh the trend i don't want to see continue or even uh, attempted in podcasting is this thing have you seen have you been on youtube and gotten an ad that is just the pilot of this new what's her name's infinite playlist show yes it's a new it's a new hit comedy from nbc where it's the uh 
person who uh, I'm assuming it's head trauma. It's always head trauma wakes up and they can hear everyone's inner thoughts, but they see it through dance sequences and songs, which is, it, it sounds very Kimmy Schmidt twee fun, but their mm-hmm. advertising strategy on YouTube is a 43 minute long fucking ad where one of the actors pops up and is like, Hey, this is the entire first episode. Don't click mm-hmm, skip. Mm-hmm. Just watch it. Uh, I know mm-hmm. you were trying to watch dancing bacons operate a spaghetti <laughs> vending machine, but just buckle up with, you want to watch 43 minutes of a, of a sitcom with the YouTube ad overlay on it the entire fucking time. So like 10 to 15% of the screen's gone. That's the way to consume our comedy. Yeah. I hope whoever's yeah. videos that ad does get run on get mad payout from it. Like, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yikes. Yeah. Uh, a trend that I don't want to see from other media. Um, God, okay. Yeah. I don't want to see more works that are specifically like hey, you've got nostalgia. Well, we're going to stranger things it. Like, between um, fucking uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, uh, which blew. That movie fucking blows. Yeah. I was so disappointed by it. Um, there, between we could do a whole fucking podcast a, about that. I, like, oh, I don't share yeah. <laughs> media. I don't have, like, media conversations with Will in DMs on Discord a lot, but we had a good, like, hour. We should. We we should, but we did a fucking yeah. hour on yeah, we really uh, did. <laughs> scary stories, and it's victim blaming of the ghost that the oh. movie's about. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so bad, um, so wildly, unbelievably bad. Uh, so between that and there's like that upcoming uh, Ghostbusters movie that's like it's Ghostbusters. We're doing it again. But this time, it's pretty much Stranger Things. We got like, rid of the whaleman. It's fine. Right. Like, this whole, like, taking something that is nostalgic and making it even more nostalgic, giving it that kind of, like, um, stand-by-me treatment mm-hmm. of, like, little kids and, oh, it's a podunk town and blah, blah, blah. Like, make something new. You know what? Just make it something new. Did it it's well. okay. They they got uh, yeah, it. And they were the last one. <laughs> I think in in their defense, they didn't remake something and put it in that time period. If anything, they it updated it. It was always it, in right? that time period. Right, right, right. Um, and, and I think that that was just being loyal to the text. What I mean is like taking something and making it even more set in the past and even more nostalgic. Um, I know that Stranger Things has been like, you know, this huge thing in the zeitgeist i understand the desire to have that sort of like you know late 80s i guess mid to late 80s yeah kids adventure aesthetic i like it um i think it is already wildly overdone it feels a lot like the kind of uh like grit like gritty reboot mm-hmm. it feels like the gritty reboot of 2020 my, and i i'm already <clears throat> fucking tired my favorite example of this uh before stranger things and i think continuing past stranger things because they just kept fucking making stranger things and i haven't even gotten past season episode one of season two because it's just like i don't i oh there's probably more cool stuff but i don't see what could be there until mm-hmm. dawn which was a video game that uh it's like an it's sort of a choose your own adventure game uh that is basically built around the concept that the developers wanted to make a love letter to 80s horror more leaning towards slasher films but it's not a slasher game like there might be one maybe question mark we don't know what the bad guy is for a long part of the game until it it tries to play it tries to like play it off yeah as though it is a slasher and then that turns out to be a total red herring um i will say much in the same way horror movies do yeah, I, I fucking love Until Dawn. It's really, I that, really thing, love though, it. It has a lot of fucking effort put into it. They hired some fantastic yeah. actors. Remy Malik plays this wonderfully unhinged. I, I don't want to. I didn't want to say unhinged because that just feels like the thing any critic would say. But like, yes, he plays a character you can't get a beat yeah. on. 
Um, and all the other, yes. he, like his, yeah. it's been a year since his sister died and, um, all the characters around him are his high school, old high school friends and they don't want to address the fact that his sister is dead. So he gets away yeah, with a lot it's, of shit it's really awkward. and they don't question it. Um, and it's just, it creates this really interesting character dynamic, which is totally something that would be in, and it has this, um, butterfly effect mechanic that's built in the very game because every decision you make yeah. can fork off different paths which is totally what 80s and early 90s movies suddenly became obsessed with like psychology yeah. and stuff like chaos theory and the butterfly effect which you know jurassic park made most popular but still there's a lot of uh thinking men's horror shit but in like slasher movies in the late 80s until dawn is this one piece of stuff and it, they put everything in a jar and did it right and they've made a sequel that's more 90s uh wait did they it's not a sequel it's a new game using the mechanics of like the it is a new game by the people who made until dawn it's called um the dark pictures man of medan and it's on a uh a ghost ship like a freighter from world war ii has been found and your characters are on it and there's ghost zombies and uh a couple of mildly oh, famous people like in until dawn and i still need to play it but this one's like episodic and the first episode is this one um point mm, being okay. they made one with new tropes and ideas and horror concepts mm -hmm. for the next one they didn't just do until dawn 2 right, 80s right, harder right, right. <laughs> well i mean depending on how you play until dawn they could not have made until dawn 2 so uh, our next question is Jim uh, at the underscore release underscore 101 asks, would you address ways for straight folk creating audio drama to be inclusive? Uh, as far as my experience with making standard docking procedure, except for the main one of the main characters, because there's four main characters technically, but she was like the focus of the pilot. I wrote uh, Tiff, who is voiced by Julia Schifini, ended up being voiced by Julia Schifini. Uh, I wrote Tiff, very femme. But um, Tiff could have been whatever, and every other, and uh, then then Humphrey is very much a lot of me when I was younger put into a character, so I knew that was like a he him mm. and probably just a cis male period. But as far as anyone else in the show, any other character has been written from the perspective of they can be played by anybody, and then I will go back and kind of retool the character to fit the person playing it. Not that anybody from any you know different perspective doesn't uh ha or has to play exactly who they are in real life but it's a sitcom and i just feel like i would rather have a more inclusive cast and a cast that more reflects the person playing the character than mm -hmm. coming up with a thing because i don't really know what i'm doing uh because, like, when you watch Friends and shit, they didn't, they didn't write characters. Well, Friends is a horrible fucking example because Friends can kiss my ass. But you watch, like, any sitcom like that. They made Bruce Willis's character like fucking Bruce Willis. And Brad Pitt's character acted like Brad Pitt. You know, like, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a jokey joke uh, sitcom with a lot of banter. There's not necessarily a lot of focus on, like, well, when I was a kid... <laughs> Right, right. Uh, that's my focus, but as a cis white dude, like I got a lot of learning to do. I got a lot of I got a lot of uh, uh, places to go and uh, people to work with. My thing that I haven't done, and I, this is me not practicing what I preach yet, work with people who aren't <laughs> straight. Mm -hmm. uh, collaborate with people at the very least, sensitivity readers. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, if you have the money and the people it like it it helps all the more to try as much as possible i've had one sensitivity reader on standard docking procedures so far we did a mini-sode about that involved a pregnant character and a friend of mine was like seven months along <laughs> and an english mm -hmm. major so i was like hey do you wanna, do you want to take a look at this script maybe and i'll pay you <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's mine. You probably have way more to say on this. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> valence is, um, I think, an exercise in a lot of this. So uh, to give some some background, because I think it's kind of important here, 
um, when I started writing the thing that Valence eventually came from, I thought I was a straight girl. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have unpacked a lot about um, my orientation, my gender since then. Um, and I think that that comes through in a lot of characters. We have a character who in season one um, thinks of themselves as cis and by season three has realized that they're not. Um, which I am very excited to write and is a story that's very close to mine, like close to me, not close to mine. We're actually very dissimilar. But um, some of these realizations about the characters came just organically through writing them, um, just for what felt correct. Um, but some of it has also been informed by working with people from those identities. So for instance, we have a, a character, Flynn, who is a trans man, who is played by Caleb Del Rio, a trans man. And uh, one thing that I think was really eye-opening for us and very interesting was talking about with Caleb. Like, Caleb brought up in our Discord chat, like, hey, what does, what does transition look like in this world that has magic? while also understanding that magic is frowned upon and regulated differently. Like, would would it be common for trans people to still pursue a, uh, a magic um, expedited transition regardless of the dangers that could come from something like this? Which I thought was a fascinating question and I would love to delve more into season two. Um, I wish we would have put it in season one, but by the time that question came around, there wasn't really time to unpack that in a way that I felt was uh, elegant in, uh, not elegant, respectful, you know? Um, so that's one of the things where I wouldn't have thought about that necessarily. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have thought about the answers in regards to Flynn about what his decisions would be. I wouldn't have thought about that in the same way that Caleb would. and. It's, it, it goes to show that just because you are the writer, primarily, um, of course, I also have other writers, namely Katie, um, that doesn't mean that you're the only one who can write and who can add to those characters. I think that if you start with characters who are um, representative of the world in orientation and gender and things like that, meaning more inclusive and you cast as such, and then you listen to those actors really well, I think that you're going to find that you're writing much more authentically and much more accurate to other experiences. When it comes to initially writing these characters, there is something to be said, and I believe Aaron, um, I believe Aaron Keon talked about this when he was on our podcast um, a while back, because we were talking about trans issues, um, and Aaron was on, I believe he talked about how when you, like, there's a lot of conversation about not adding diversity to just check off checkboxes. And Aaron was like, uh, isn't that better than nothing? Like, isn't doing that better than not doing anything at all? And I think that that's really valuable guidance. And I think that it's a great place to start. I think that's really important. Um, it would be... I mean, it, w it would be incorrect to say that every character in Valence was written exactly as they are without uh, the idea of a checkbox. It's not totally accurate. Um, some things I just, I felt like we were lacking in certain areas, so I wanted to add those things. Um, for the record, Flynn is not one of those. He was a character whose development came very naturally to me. But I think that if you start there, and then, very importantly, do your research. If you're adding a character of a certain demographic to check a checkbox for the purpose of being more inclusive, that means you have to do the work of writing that character well. It's it's good to it's good to talk with your cast about other developments and how they might be seeing the character, but you need to make sure that you're writing that character well and with with justice before taking that to an actor because you want that actor to feel represented and safe and also it's important for you to do that work there are lots of ways that you can do this work um there's a lot of research and articles from most demographics out there 
But another way that I think is really important for adding to your education is finding people who meet those demographics on social media, following them, and just not just not in, engaging unless you are directly asked. So like, like their tweets, um, read what they have to say. Don't go asking questions. Don't go sharing jokes that aren't really yours to share. Just appreciate their time. If they have a, you know, a Kofi or a Venmo or something, kick them a few bucks and just learn from people. Learn from like a really wide range of those people too. Like, uh, for instance, this year I have a goal where I'm trying to find more sex workers to follow on Twitter um, who specifically tweet about sex worker issues. Um, I already follow quite a bit, but I, I would like to follow more. I think that it's very important work for me to do to to listen to what they're saying in order to inform the conversations that I have about those subjects. So what I do is if I find one, I will I'll follow that person. I will read with read what they're saying. If they post an article, I will read that. Um, if I feel any friction or conflict or uh, discomfort, I will take a moment to interrogate that within myself. I will never take that to the person who tweeted. Um, I will like their posts, etc. And just doing that, you expose yourself to a lot more voices that are unlike your own. And you expose yourself to a lot of discussion that you might not otherwise see. And I think that's a good place to start as well as doing the actual academic research side of it. Um, this sounds like a lot for adding some characters to your fiction show, but in my opinion, it is work that you should be doing regardless. Um, yeah, that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, I think it's a fucking topic that deserves a lot. Uh, Fair. Even if it needs way more people answering the question besides just us. Right. Uh, I would also recommend this doesn't just apply to um, LGBTQ people, but also people of color, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Also disabled people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All right. Um, our final question is a very industry and serious one. Uh, this one's from Aaron Kean, actually. Uh, I actually do have kind of a serious one. What are ways non-USA slash UK podcasts can improve their visibility? It so often feels like a lot of people, a lot of pods are only taken seriously if they are coming out of the USA or the UK. And as much as I love marketing, I often wonder if I'm missing something. Uh, this one I've been thinking about and it's, it's still just really irks me that we've got a bunch of segmented itunes <laughs> at play it's so fucking weird like standard docking procedure i i guess we're fine in the u.s uh we're like number we were like 22nd in australia or some shit and i don't know how i just looked at the charts one day. <laughs> just aaron and we Luke. were just <laughs> i'm not trying to brag it's just like one day you look at all these different itunes charts and then suddenly you're like doing great in some random country for some reason and it's it's just i i don't know like what's going on with how podcasts chart in different countries when it seems like yeah us and uk just kind of focus on that and since they're the powerhouses namely more more so the us than anything else um nothing else gets a moment in the sunshine uh which is really fucking weird. Like if you want to talk about Australian podcasting mm-hmm. in the United States, if you're not in the fiction sphere, what 10, 10 odd foot of pole that, that comedy chat show, that's the one that usually pops up on American feeds the most. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me at least. Uh, and even then mainly because they have a pretty strict or pretty, pretty solid relationship with the dollop and the dollop is like huge. Right, right. And they have their own spinoff now uh, that, that that's how big they are. Um, I don't know because the problem is you yeah. can't advertise like people advertise you know we used to advertise web comics and video series and shit where you like rent space on a website that a bunch of people use or uh, mm-hmm. or just YouTube ads or anything like that because they just they don't Facebook YouTube Twitter ads they don't 
really work. They don't work like that anymore. I mean, maybe yeah. YouTube ads for podcasts. But that's the thing. I see book trailers on YouTube and I get oh, pissed I off it. that it's not yeah. a TV series. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. Um, you can't. It's it, this is a this is a difficult one to answer because it's really hard to see from the inside yes. out on this one. Um, I would say I. <sighs> I actually don't think that this is a problem with people outside the U.S. I don't think that y'all are doing anything wrong. I think it's No, us. yeah, we, like, have fences um, up, but I can't see them. Yeah. I, I think that more American and U.K. podcasts need to be better about promoting non-U.S. and U.K. Yes, yes, shows. Yes. It's, it's very strange. So maybe, actually, I think that a good way around this would be to... Uh, talk to more podcasts about ad swaps mm -hmm. um ad swaps i feel used to be more common than they are right yeah. now oh yeah um i have not heard a ton of ad swaps where like you know one show plays the trailer for one and the other plays the trailer for the other or even just like you know d talks up one podcast and the host of the other talks up the other i haven't heard a lot of those um which is strange to me because i think they're really effective marketing so i would say Look into ad swaps. Maybe talk it's... up shows that you think. Sorry, it, you just you just sparked. Maybe it's because we've had such a focus on tiny networks forming and tiny collectives forming, yeah. And they only advertise shows on their own network. Well, I actually want to push back on that um, because Hug House has contacted a few of those really? to do basically ad swaps, um, and usually, you know, because Hug House is very small, so usually those come with a price tag for us. But I think it really depends on who you're talking to and things like that. So I, I would I say I would say do some outreach. One could also yeah. inform the other, right? Like if ad swaps really have fallen out yes. of favor, yeah. why would networks be doing more ad swaps with other people? Right. Yeah. I know that, and it sucks to say the answer is do more work, but like it does feel like there are there are barriers to me seeing more stuff much in the same way like whenever well uh what, what's that one new zealand uh cook or pastry chef or whatever no <laughs> not not on youtube the zumbo i think there it, it seems zumbo's just desserts there's always just like one or two things from australia that'll pop into existence in america netflix mm -hmm. or like that one teen show about girls who turn into mermaids uh and it'll just this thing exists and it, it's as if australian tv is not a fucking thing in the world and then every now and then they make a tv show and we hear about it right but it, that's not the fucking yeah. case <sighs> i don't know it writes and shit <sighs> it's frustrating yeah media is hard yeah Good yeah, one, yeah I would say I I think uh, ad swaps are a good actionable step yes. to take. Um, and I think uh, yeah that's all I've got. I'm sorry, Aaron. This was not <laughs> this was not impressive advice. I mean, I'm making a sticky note to seek out specifically more not US UK podcasts, so that's a step for me, yeah. but that doesn't fix it for any fucking else, Same. right? Yeah. All right. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> we are out of questions. <laughs> uh, it has also been a hefty boy of uh, damn, that's a thick ass episode. Damn boy. Damn, that's a thick ass that's episode. That's a thick episode. Uh Damn, I, man, I, I'm pissed. I don't have any orange soda to put this peanut butter whiskey in. Now. <laughs> I don't even. It's not even that I want an alcoholic beverage. Now I'm just like, wow, that would taste good. God, I would love an alcoholic beverage. But <laughs> would, all my alcoholic bevs are adult beverage. I would love uh, adult <laughs> beverage, uh, but I'm still mid move. Yeah. So I think all of our booze is still over at the other apartment. But hey, at least you got the the sweet sweet embrace of sleep. Oh, we'll see <laughs> all right all right everybody thank you so much for being such a kind and uh attentive audience through this yeah. through this uh wild yeehaw session of us just kind of rambling but uh next episode we'll yeah. be back with more tuned in dialed up wackiness and talking about more podcasting stuff and 
thank you will for joining me on this emergency episode that didn't need to happen (laughs) thank you gavin i think this was really really nice and lovely and i think listeners if you have questions for us um you can just tweet those to us at any time and one thing that might be nice is us just like answering questions Mm -hmm. on regular episodes if we have them so send us questions we'll answer you i may or may not come up with a bumper for it who knows yeah who knows who knows (laughs) all right thank you (laughs) (laughs) you fucking got me you fucking got me i full on i full on spun around in my desk chair (laughs) all right bye everybody (laughs) 